This episode of Living in the Overflow is dedicated to one of the greatest women I've ever got the opportunity to meet, my grandma. Even in the hardest of situations and the most impossible scenarios, she still believes God when others wouldn't. Her faith has taught me to become a strong man of God and how to grow spiritually, mature, and become a better person. Her kindness has molded me into the man I am today. And without her prayers, I don't believe I'd be sitting at this desk recording this podcast. Her prophecies and her prayers for me to become an amazing man of God have started seeds inside of me that will never dry up. And she will always be an important part of my life. No matter what struggles you go through, just know your grandson loves you. And no matter what you go through, cancer or anything, I'm here for you. I love you more than you know. And this is for you. Hey, welcome back and welcome to season two of Living in the Overflow. I'm your host, Jameer Waters. Today is going to be an amazing topic. I took a much needed rest for sabbatical for four months, which was utterly amazing. I got to spend it with friends, family, praying for people, people pouring into me, men of God, stewarding over me and pouring words of wisdom into my heart. I was so glad to take this rest and God really changed my life this summer through an event called Camp Roar. Shout out to Inside Out in Christ Temple. Um, Today's episode is going to be a really, really good one. Um, And I cannot wait to talk to you about this one. It is the phrase and the word for season two and what we are going to go forward doing for the rest of our lives, but most importantly for this season. It's gonna have some amazing visuals on YouTube, um, short clips every couple of minutes that will pop up to go along with the dialogue that surely will blow your mind. I put a lot of effort, time, and energy into, a lot of prayer, fasting, and energy into this exact moment. Sitting, recording multiple times, to tell you this. Cue intro. What God's gonna put Jameer, you or something else. Everybody loves Jameer, isn't he amazing? I tell you, I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but you are amazing. He's an incredible minister too, and on top of everything else, he can preach. He's got a great Bible study he gave to me. What's the name of your podcast? Living in the overflow. Well, we'll check it out sometime, all right? All right. As I said before, welcome to Living in the Overflow Season 2. I'm so very excited to be back with expensive equipment on my behalf. 
um, and amazing. Um, I had an amazing sabbatical, if you guys were wondering. I know a lot of you were excited to begin back in August. It has been amazing. Um, I spent a lot of time before, um, before this summer um, pouring in at my youth groups. I even got um, an opportunity to speak in a classroom not in a, um, which was really amazing. It wasn't even um, a like Christian class by no means. It was just a drama class. And I got to pour into about eight or nine individuals. It was amazing. I got to spread the gospel in a couple of messages. I'm going to get a lot of new messages up um, from my sabbatical so you guys can listen to them. Then summer came and when... When summer came, summer camp came, and that was my first time going to summer camp, and when I say it rocked my world, the way I would describe it is when I was at Camp Roar, I got to wake up, eat breakfast, spend time with Jesus, all day, spending time with the Lord, and I've tried to make that a part of my daily routine now, but the entire time of the week I got to spend it with amazing believers and men who poured into me and my ministry and how to be better at this and how to grow spiritually I took much needed time off and it's all because I don't think everyone is in full effect of understanding what's about to happen with our ministry um, I can't give away too many details for it yet um but there is a book in the works i can't give you a title or a name i can just give you its author the author is a really good man i've met before by the name of jameer waters <laughs> i know myself pretty well so um it's gonna be pretty pretty life-changing um for a lot of people and i'm gonna try to make it um to where it has enough meat for our elders and for um, people who've been sp spiritually mature for years, but small enough for people who are my age or a little younger who are just coming off in the faith, possibly after hearing this episode of the podcast even maybe, who want to pick up a new book from a person they actually know who's around their age and is going to become a, a published author, which is going to be amazing. And then I have one more huge and two more huge announcements that I'm praying, three actually, that I'm praying for that God is going to complete and that they're going to go smoothly and that they're going to be amazing and it's going to transform the kingdom forever. Today's topic is going to be um, maybe a little confusing to some people. I don't know. I try to make it um, as, as non-confusing as possible. But um, I might just be a little too hard on myself. I hope you guys enjoyed this message. I've been working on it. It's been in the works since about my whole life. I've, I've known about this topic. But I didn't know its depths until about three months ago. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We already did the intro. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Um, we're going to start off in Genesis. But... I'm going to give you a definition, and then we're going to start, and then I'll tell you our word, and then we'll get deeper and deeper and deeper. 
The definition I want to share with you first is the definition of stained. To leave a permanent mark, something that is not easily removed, something that requires force to be erased or removed. Now that is the definition that I found on Merriam-Webster and it's um, a combination of different um, definitions I found all over the internet and um, I really, really think this is going to be a good message. Oh goodness. So I don't know how, let's just do it. Um, the message I'm going to be talking about, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the name. But I want to tell you how I got there. One day, I think this was back in December last year. Um, we were in a heavy worship environment at my church, Christ Temple. And we were sitting there and we had a guest speaker and he was from Israel. And he was talking about the power of being able to worship God freely and how in some areas of the world you have to be quiet and how he, he remembers singing gospel hymns very silently because he didn't want to be arrested or worse. And that really resonated with me, but then it got better because then it wasn't a minister ministering, it was God ministering. And those are my favorite services. And right in the middle of this thick song, I, I was in the midst of struggling um, with, how do I phrase this? I fell in love with ministry and fell I didn't fall out of love with Christ, but I fell kind of in a way of, many ministers may have had this where their ministry becomes more important with, than intimacy with Jesus. And I looked up at the sky and started really worshiping intensely. Like some, something's about to break, something's about to happen, something's about to be revealed to me that's going to change the very course of my life. And I'm ready to receive it, God. And whatever you want to show me right now, show me. Open up the heavens and pour out your spirit on me. Where they were singing, they were singing, Holy Spirit, come rest on us. I was singing, come rest on me. And I just remember looking up and then a, an intense weight falling on my shoulders. Like I could barely stand. And then I looked down. And I saw blood everywhere. Not not on the stage. And not on um, the platform. Or on a different person. I saw it all over me. On my clothes. My clothes were stained by my shoes. My hands were dripping. I was covered. It, and when I told this story first to my friends. They thought. I got a vision of becoming a murderer or something. But it was truly one of the most peaceful moments of my life because I heard the still small voice. Can I get an amen? The still small voice of God. And when I heard that still small voice, it was so assuring because it said this one phrase in it. 
changed me. It said, you have been washed by my blood. Are you ready to be blood stained? And I was like, wow, I need to dig deep in that because that has depth. That is deep waters right there. That wasn't me. That was my water bottle. I got a, water, a fancy water bottle now. I'm not drinking out of the weird ones. Um, out of the plastic ones. Save the ocean. But um, if you would, just just, just, um, just go along with me right here. So I'm going to give you a little... I gave you a little spill of what happened. But I want to tell you why I believe God showed me that. There's too, There's too many believers who... Once they're salvaged by the blood and God redeems them by the blood and they're saved, hallelujah, praise God. When that happens, they feel like the blood isn't important anymore. Like it's a preschool message. Like, oh, that's where the script, the scripture says, and I think it's Hebrews that says, can we go on beyond this elementary um, teachings about the Trinity of God and the baptisms and the salvation and the resurrection. Um, but there's depth to this. There's depth to this. I don't want to just be washed by Jesus's blood. I want the blood to mark me. I want it to be to where when I look at my life, I don't see my life. I see the life of Christ. I don't want God to look at me and to see everything. I don't want him to see, oh, look at the car he has. Look at the house he has. I want to say, I see him who has sacrificed everything he owns. Everything, every, friends, friendships, money, fame. I want God to look down at me and say, this man sacrificed something just as Jesus sacrificed his own life for me on the cross. I want God to see, say, this person who's anointed, Jameer, had to go through trials and tribulations. He had to look sin dead in the face and say, I don't want you. I want the glory resting on my shoulders. I want the oil to cost me something. Because I've I think we forget that salvation wasn't free. I know we say, thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. But sometimes we don't fully put into play what Jesus did on the cross for us, the nails. And I use this a lot. And when people when I pray with people about this and they hear me say this, it brings people to tears because people don't think about it. They just said, oh, he bled on the cross for our sins and two nails in his hands and a nail in his foot and he bled and he bled and all that but no it said it said in scripture that God could not look at his child because of sin being on him he carried every weight and every sin and every addiction and every stronghold every lie every filth was resting on his shoulder he took every unholy stain and rested every sinful stain rested on his shoulders. He took on death, hell, and the grave when he was on that cross. When he died, 
He went to hell and took the keys to death, hell and the grave. It's not a pretty story, but it's the story of the most selfless love in the universe. And sometimes I just want to return the favor. And how am I returning the favor when everybody looks at me and says, my life is perfect? I don't want them to say, look at his life, it's perfect. I want them to say, look at that Christ life, look at that sacrifice life, look at that life laid down. Because this life, after I've been salvaged by Christ, it's no longer my own. I don't own myself. Christ owns me. My life is not my own. There's a beautiful song by William McDowell that says, My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself away. I, when I give myself to Christ, I don't want everyone to see me as how they saw me before Christ entered me. I don't want them to look and say, There's an average Joe. I want them to look at me and see the blood. I don't want them to see Jameer Waters. I want them to see Jesus. Pastors changed my life. And when I look at you and you say, name the top evangelist you've ever met, I won't tell you who has the greatest following on social media or who had the coolest message or who had the best sneakers on when they were preaching or who wore the best hoodie or who matched the best. I'm going to tell you who, when they delivered a message, when I sat down with them, they were what they preached. So when a person preaches about the blood, the way you can tell if they're stained is if they act like Christ. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like, but I'm too afraid that there is Christians who are not like Christ who claim, claim to be Christ-like. I don't want what God did for me to be undone. I don't want to when I'm, when I'm in the middle of struggling and things aren't going my way and my ministry isn't blowing up like I want it to because of my own self-esteem and self-worth image, I guess. I don't want to think I can just run away from him. I can't at this point. I'm in too deep. No, no, when people when people say Jameer, just just say one curse word. Just, just do this. Just do this one thing. It will be cool. Just do this once. It's just one small, small sin. We could sweep it under the rug. I'm too deep in this. I'm too deep because without Christ, I'm shallow. I'll admit that. But I have walked into too deep of waters to turn around now. I've ran. I want it to be that believers, my mission is that believers, I, I equip them to where they run to Jesus so fast, even if they get tempted by sin, it's they're too far along the road to run back to their past. 
so close to Jesus that it'd be the worst mistake in their life to run 10 miles backwards to sin when Christ is two feet away. When I, when I chose bloodstain, not just because of the vision, a stain is not easily removed. It leaves a mark. I can't go into too much details because there's a lot of events and stuff playing around this in the future. A bloodstain burns within you. It's a holy fire where you are not consumed. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working and operating in you. Because you know when people notice a stain? If if you go into, let's say, let's go let's say you go into a wing stop and everyone's dressed in white. And their goal is to be stained. So when they walk in there, but their goal is not to be stained. I mean, so when they go in there and they're trying to keep their clothes white and they see someone walk in with a white shirt who came last week, who was utterly stained, he had... He had the biggest barbecue stain you've ever seen in your life. It was like, it was like the size of like the largest hand in the world, just in the middle of his t-shirt. It was, it was basically a design of a t-shirt at this point. The stain was so large. People notice that there's something on him that's not on them. So my goal when I walk in a room is, is when I walk into the room just by showing the love of Christ, people look at me and say, and say something negative, but they look at me and say, what does he have that I don't got because I want it now? I want to be changed I want to be changed by what he was changed by. I want to be changed by the man he was changed by. I want to be renewed. I want to be consecrated by this man that changed his life. The blood saved me. And you know, Jesus was the only man who could spill his blood and save me. And to save us, not because of, not because of his favorite sports team or because of his hometown or his skin color. It was because of the power he possessed and the Holy Spirit's power that dwelled within him. There truly is power in his blood. It's not a fancy saying we say when we take communion. It's a symbolicness of the blood covenant between Christ. Just as when a man and a woman come together in covenant marriage, Christ, when, when they come together in covenant, Blood is transferred just in the same way 
when Jesus died on the cross for us, blood was transferred into us. Now, I know what you're saying. You're not saying, I didn't get, an, I'm not saying you got an extra milliliter of blood in your system. I'm saying, why do you think when you become a believer, you have to become born again because you're under a new blood type? I am no longer under the gene, genealogic, gene, genealogy of my life or the genes of my life or my father or even my mother, people who have left me and hurt me and family who can even twist the, their back on you and stab you in the back. I am no longer of that blood. I am in the blood of kings. Because the blood was applied to me when I was saved. And now I'm not just saved by the blood. When I was delivered, I truly tell you, I was blood stained. Now, now, now I got to keep going on my notes. But all this stuff with the blood started from the very beginning in Genesis when blood was shed way too early when sin entered the world for clothing for Adam and Eve. A blood, a blood was shed because they chose sin. And when glory was lifted off of them, they truly realized their nakedness. And they reached out for things to clothe them but nothing can clothe you like the glory does. The only other thing that would suffice for the moment was the skin of a lamb, the fur of a lamb. Later in Genesis, just a few chapters later, is the story of Cain and Abel. Let me read it to you. Later in Genesis, when Abel sacrificed the blood of a lamb and his brother Cain gave some of his crops as an offering, God honored the blood offering because without the blood, sin will, it says in scripture, will try to control you. It says it, it says it right here in Genesis 4, 7. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. And, and can I tell you, even though this scripture was said at the beginning of time, this is still true to this day just because you went to the altar and cried a few tears but then went to sin and live your life just to get a get out of hell free card sin is still crouching at the door if you refuse to do what is right Sin will always try to control you. Sin will always say this way is better, that way is better. 
You don't have to wait for marriage. Blood isn't that sacred. When it, when it says clear in Scripture that blood was the only thing that was sufficient as a sacrifice. When sin enters the world, the only thing that can get rid of it is the blood. The only thing that can cover up the sin and clean the sin and wipe the sin is blood. The word, the word, the next, the next thing it says in this verse, it says, after it says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. It says, but you must subdue it and become its master. The word subdue means to overcome it. So Cain angered the one who offered the crops, angered, did one of the most despicable things in the Bible besides sin entering the world at this point. This is the moment right here. This, this is the moment. Sin had already entered the world, but this was the moment when jealousy came into play. Look, look at how God's using my brother Abel. He offered his sacrifice. It, it, was just his, it was just his spotless lamb. And I offered him my, my finest squash and gourds. What? How is he better than me? I want what he has. I want the favor of God. I want God to bless what he never promised to bless. This, this is where most people stand. I want God to bless my mess, but I won't change my mess. Even though Christ says, once you're under Christ, you're a new creature. But some people, some people are too caught up in what's going on that they won't, they'll let sin control them and they'll tell God to bless their mess when it's not proper for an offering. Crops aren't. There's work that goes into a crop. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you have to tend to it and water to it and make sure the soil's correct. And I go into depths in this in a lot of the previous podcast episodes. But the blood is sufficient because once what once was alive has now died to become a sacrifice. A crop may be alive, but only a lamb in this scenario has a heartbeat. Only a lamb's lungs say Yahweh. The very breath in our lungs. Subdue means to overcome, to trample on it. Sort of how scripture says we are to trample on 
scorpions and snakes and come out unharmed. We're not going to do a snake service because that's, that's not what the scripture meant. Just as the scripture didn't mean if you sin with your right hand, chop your right hand off. Or if you lust with your eye, gouge out your eye. Don't need an eye patch. You need... It means to distance yourself. Completely disassociate yourself with that because you're not of that. You're of Christ. Jealousy. Pride. Envy. Boast. This is, this is the moment. He... Anger. He kills his brother. Thank you for the soft instruments in the background, but we can cut that out now. He kills his brother. But no, that's that's where most people leave the story. All right, he killed his brother. Go on, go on, go on. I'm kind of just reading through this with my Bible plan to get to the New Testament. See if Jesus raises from the dead. Spoiler alert. He does. Um, but it goes so much deeper. The Lord then asks Cain... Where is your brother? Which Cain replies in verse 9 with, I, I don't know how to word this, but he basically, he basically was just being a jerk and being smart and having a bit of an attitude. He's, he said, am I my brother's guardian? I don't know. But, but then listen to this verse. This verse gets me. Let's hear the first part. And then it gets a lot deeper. Whew. This one's this one's heavy. Hear me hear me by the spirit. I need you to have your spiritual ears turned on when you hear this cuz this has depths. But the Lord said What? What have you done? No, what have you done? This troubles me. God. He says, what have you done? But this, this is this is the part I'm, I'm I'm skipping the next paragraph because this this is where it gets heavy, and this is where I get to the root of my message and the question I'm about to ask you right after this. He says, "Do you know what you have done twice?" Then he says, "Listen," and and the verse has an exclamation mark, so so there's some emotion behind this. This 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 hurt him. This was, listen, listen, listen. He, he, he's telling him do, to do the action. Listen, listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the very ground.
Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I can I can hear it. I I I hear his blood weeping. I can I can almost when I hear this verse I can almost hear the sorrow and God's voice and then hear the voice of the the cries of his brother who is who is dead I can almost hear it But but I'm gonna, I'm going to take it one more notch deeper but then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put it on you and this is going to be the question that might change your life. I really need you to listen to me and hear me intently. If you do anything today, listen to me right now. The Hebrew word in this, in this if you read this as a Hebrew translation back into English, back into Greek over and over again, translated a couple of times. It doesn't just say your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. As deep as that is, it goes deeper. This, this is the moment. God, God's omnipotent, but this is... I see this as, in, in my, my theology, you don't have to believe this. I see this as the moment when God realized, I'm going to have to sacrifice my son. The Hebrew version says, listen, tune, which means tune in Hebrew. It means tune your ear to this sound. The bloods cry out to me from the ground. The, the bloods, the bloods, the multiple, the bloods. And you, and you mean bloods are not plural and all that English and probably have a couple of my English teachers listening right now. Glad to have you on here. Bloods meaning... Every, some some theologians say this, and this is really what messes me up even more than this this passage. I was just reading it, and it clicked. Whew. Whew. Sorry, guys. Let's just let's just go. Let's just go. It says this. Bloods was meaning. Every blood shed. Every death. This get this gets heavy. I need you to hear me about the spirit. It's the bloods of 9 of aborted children. The bloods of our family members. 
The bloods of our ancestors. The bloods of war veterans. You, you hear how quiet it's got. The, 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 the bloods of George Floyd. The, blo the bloods of the Holocaust. He heard all that. I gotta say that, I gotta say that. But, but, then, but then I hear a, another sound. If you imply what, what, this, what this passage is saying, meaning multiple bloods, every blood shed, he, he, he already knew it was going to happen. But he heard it. He heard the, the cries and the blood shed of his son. On, on the, cro the cross. Multiple bloods from every background, every denomination, every, every cultural division that the world tries to give us. And ev every person, every creed, every color, every eye color, every Short, tall, skinny, long, everyone. Which brings me to my question, and it, it's, it's not going to be one of those questions that's going to be easy, like a Q&A question you find on Facebook or something like that. It's, it's not easy at all, at any means, but I need you to hear me. And it's not Twitter-friendly, and if you post... If you post this, unless you have some extremely deep friends, they might shrug it off. Or hopefully, I really hope this sits with you. Do you hear? Do you hear his blood? No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the blood of your ancestors or... The blood of the people I mentioned that God heard all at once. I'm not talking about about Abel's blood or Cain's blood. Or, I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. The 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 blood that's priceless. That what it did for us on the cross, I wouldn't trade for silver or for gold. The blood that washes away every sin, every iniquity, every stain of sin, every, every sinful stain. I'm talking about the blood where you've had tra traumatic years in your life and you've ha had an uncle that's beat on you and, and a mom that's left you in the dust and a dad that you haven't seen in years and and all that trauma and all that addiction and and you you you, you a couple years ago you, you don't like to talk about it but you, know, you had a drug addiction a couple of years ago or, or maybe it was a pornography addiction like a lot of us young people. Gone. That's, that's how good the gospel it is. It, it's gone. The, the, year, the, the mental esteem of me going to bed every night wondering where my father is. I know where he is. He sits in heavenly places. 
He is the God of the universe. And now God has blessed me with an earthly father that is the most valuable thing in the world to me. But can I tell you this? Do you hear his blood? And it, it's, it's not going to be an easy question. And I want you to evaluate yourself. When you sit in your room or you sit in a worship environment or wherever you sit, if you, if you sit in a bar or if you sit... Or if you sit in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Or if you're a religious scholar that has a church on every church corner. And you have conferences. Do you hear the blood of Christ? Yeah, it's, it's deep. Do you, do you hear that sound or has it gone deaf to you? Because I feel that's the problem with a lot of us. The sounds, the, the sounds of Christ on the cross with nails. Have you, have you seen the last, the, um, what's that one movie? The Passion of the Christ. Where you can see the nail going into his hand. Do you, do you hear I'm not talking about do you hear the sound of the movie? Does it is there a spiritual revenance or a revelation that you feel unease? When you, for some of you when you were first saved, you when you thought of the tears on the cross, it brought you to tears. When 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 you heard the story of, of the man who was on the cross beside Jesus who entered into the kingdom with him of eternal life. When you heard that story, you, you felt like you were in that man's shoes, the last hope of Christ that saved you when you thought you were unsavable and you were, you were drowning. There was nowhere for you to go. You couldn't swim. You couldn't do this on your own when it broke you down and you cried. And when you went to the altar and every time you heard the name Jesus, it brought a warm tear to your face. Because you remembered what he's done for you. But have you been stained by the blood? Stained. Did, did, the, did the blood stain, stain you where the groans of Christ Reminds you who you were and the people you used to hang out with and the pain you felt and the lies you spoke and the lies I spoke and the blood stained me. But that's the problem with the modern day churches. It faces many people today. They forget what the blood has done for them. Can I just, I got to give a witness. I got to give a witness to his grace. I got to give a witness to his grace. I'm turning off the light because this is what I was like. Can I just give a witness to what Christ did to me? I was in the dark. I went, I went, when I was recruited into ministry... The day I was recruited in the ministry, I saw the aunt who abused me. 
and threw me out the door and punched me in the face. Mental scars. My biological dad didn't want anything to do with me. He was arrested the day I was born. For 12 years, I didn't get a birthday card. I only got a birthday card when he wanted to see if it could get released early because he was in contact with his son. That was a scar. I'm just going to go deep. I'm going to be open and transparent in this moment. I don't want this to be looked over like this was a pretty Christian who's had his life set up for him his whole entire life. I had had brain surgery at six, I think it was six months old. I struggled with pornography for two years and I told no one. No one, no one, no one, no one, because... Because when I would tell people, there would be some people who would say, that's, that's not an addiction. You can't be addicted to that. Looking at people on Instagram like that, that, that's not wrong. That's just what a man does. No, no, no. I, I would look at myself like I was the most disgusting human being in the world. I almost didn't want to live. There would be some times when I'd wake up in the middle of the night after a night terror. And the anxiety would be so crippling I couldn't even stand it felt like. My heart was beating on my chest and it felt like I'd never get a breath in. Because it felt like everything I did was wrong. And yeah, I grew up in church and... And yeah, yeah, the moment I I saw Christ for who he truly was at seven years old, that day will never be discounted. That day truly changed my life. The first moment when I lifted my hands to him did change my life. But there's a difference between being saved and being delivered. I'm tired of people coming to me. Struggling with this and struggling with that because someone won't show them the true gospel that says if you're struggling with youthful lust, flee. It it doesn't say sit down and conversate with it and sit down and maybe we can make we had a one night stand. Maybe maybe this can still work out. Maybe we can still be friends. Maybe we can do this again sometime. I'll just get saved and repent on the altar, shed a few tears, walk home, and never be transformed. No. You need to flee. And you know what you need to do after you flee? You need to run. And I'm not talking about just running away as you need to flee from sin. You need to have an objective of where you're going. You need to run straight to the feet of the cross. 
Because too many people discount what happened on that cross. Just as I, I'm doing for a spiritual thing for myself, I turned off all my lights right now. I'm in a pitch black room. This is what it felt like without Jesus. This is what it felt like to have church and not have Jesus. I said it. I don't want to go to church. I'm sick of the programs. I'm sick of walking in. I'm sick of walking into churches, getting ready to get when it when it happens. It's happening soon. Believe me. Believe me by the spirit. I'll be in there soon. I don't want to go into churches preaching the gospel to a half dead, spiritually dead congregation that won't open their eyes and they're still in the dark because they fell in love with church, but they never fell in love with Jesus. Amen. Oh, Jesus. He, he's my answer to everything now. Because when he was, when, when there was a piercing in his side, blood flowed out of him, out of his side. That, that's why, that's one of the reasons I base my ministry off of overflowing because blood flowed from his side. It wasn't, it wasn't, it did, the scripture didn't say blood leaked out of his side. There was just a small drop of blood. One dot of blood fell to the ground and touched the rocks and the world was forever changed. Blood flowed. Because the priceless blood of the lamb no, it's priceless. Similar to the Old Testament, the lamb was the lamb's blood was applied to the door, to the door frame, to pass judgment and the anger of God from, from them not forming a true covenant with him. But though there isn't though there isn't a in this case an angel hovering up over our doors and waiting for actual lamb's blood to be applied. Did you apply the blood of Christ over your life? I'm not talking about when you get saved, going to a market, slaughtering a lamb and putting blood physically on your door. I'm talking about speaking the blood. There's great ministers who can walk in a room and say two words, the blood, the blood, the blood, Jesus, Jesus, the blood. The blood and demons shake. There's people, churchgoers, as they say, churchgoers, who, when they're in the presence of someone speaking of the blood, start throwing up and demons, things that they thought they dealt with, but they've cluttered onto addictions, strongholds, beliefs, masters that they've held onto that they've hoarded memories that they've hoarded and held on to that Christ wants them away. Many of the reasons why people hoarder today, it's not because they like having junk everywhere and they don't like their family coming in and seeing them. It's because of an emotional scar that 
made them hoard things inside of their hearts and their house is an outward reflection of what their spiritual life looks like. Holding on to things that are out of season, out of touch, and out of commission with the walk of Christ. But there's not judgment passing over our door, but there is judgment passing our heart right now. And just as life is ever expansive and there's new people born every day, your life, your life is so short. No, no, hear me. You may be a a supposed believer, but I don't want you to hear this as a salvation method. I want you to take this as your last hope message. This is this is the last message you're gonna hear when you cut yourself. This is this is the last message of when when you look in the mirror and you're not pleased with yourself, but you see yourself as a as a son or a daughter of Christ. I don't want this message to be a lukewarm message. I want this message to set you on fire for the gospel. I don't I want this to, to when you walk out the door, every demon will bow because of the power you possess, not because of who you are, but because of who is in you. Judgment will come to where every knee and every tongue shall confess. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And even though there's not a spirit of death hovering over your doorpost, killing your firstborn, there is a spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And it's not an it, it's a him passing by your heart. And it may feel like this. Your heart pounding out of your chest. Like this man speaking to me, I I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want depression crouching at the door of my heart anymore. I can't I can't deal with the stress of school and with sports and, and who likes me and who wants to put me in the bed tomorrow. I, I I can't deal with that. I don't want that. I want something real. I'm tired of going to church on Sunday and not finding oil, but finding ministers dressed in their Sunday best while they're scarred. I want something authentic. Well, if someone is knocking at your heart, the Holy Spirit, right now, if he's knocking at your heart, it's not, please hear me, it's not to hurt you. Please hear me. I don't care who tones out right now. I'm going to tell you the true gospel. God loves you. God loves you. I'm going to get, I guarantee you, at least one person tunes out when I say this. But hear me by the Spirit and hear what I say afterwards. God still loves you if you're addicted to pornography. God still loves you if you lie. God still loves you. God still loves the God still loves the LGBT community. God still loves the gay person you shun out because you won't show them the love of Christ so Christ can get out the sin in their life. But can I tell you God it doesn't say for God so loved the chosen few. It says for God so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son for so whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you this? No matter what sin you're going through, if it's, if, it, if it's lying, if it's cheating, if it's manipulating, if it's pornography, if it's lust, if it's anxiety, if it's de depression, if it's these lies of the enemy that tell you you're not enough, can I tell you something? No matter what sin or stronghold you are holding on to right now, God still loves you. His love wasn't conditional, but for you to love him back, it's kind of conditional. Because it says a believer is to lay down his life and pick up his cross and crucify his flesh. Meaning to crucify the sin. God still loves the person who's homosexual. He doesn't love the homosexuality. He wants to crucify the sin, but save the person. He wants to save the soul but send the sin to hell. The rock of Christ right now, it doesn't want to hurt you or stone you. He wants, you to, he wants to point you to the solid rock. He's not trying to stone you. He's trying to point you to the living stone of Christ that cannot, nobody no, be, cannot be shaken. Your addictions, your strongholds, not your devils, not your demons, not your anxieties, not your depression. Nothing can shake this man. Not your questions not your theologies, not your habits, not your questions. He has all of the answers. I'm tired of believers shunning away other people because they have questions about the faith. God has all the answers. You may not have all the answers, but Christ has the answers, and maybe you need to know his word deeper before you shun away people because they don't have the answers. I'm wrapping it up. Come on, guys, you got this. We got this. Yes, Lord. There's more. There's more. Give me one second, guys. He is my answer when I can't figure it out anymore, when I can't do it anymore, when the temptation is right in front of me, when, when temptation is two clicks away on my cell phone, and I can do whatever I want, and, and people wouldn't judge me for it. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me. When my family is struggling... He can take the struggle and make it a strength. He can take my nothingness, my zero, and make me a somebody. Can I, can I, can I minister for, to you for just a couple of moments? Catherine Kuhlman said it beautifully in, in one of her sermons back in the 70s. 
Yes, I still listen to old sermons because they still have fruit. But um, she said it like this. Lord, if you can take my my nothingness, if you, if you can take what I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nothing, if you, if you can take this nothingness and use it, I'm here for you. If you can take emptiness and make it full for your kingdom to use it, I'm yours. Do you stand in that stance today? Because Christ didn't die for us all to be nobodies. He died so we could live as somebody. So the person who used to be a fornicator can be a prophet. And the person who used to be a liar now speaks in tongues. And they used to lie, but now they speak in tongues. And the, per- the person who used to who used to hurt people is now performing miracles. And the person... The person who used who used to spread only lies is now a spirit who dread who dreads out lies and has the gift of discernment who is who is now holy when they used to be whole fool. And and this isn't a message to to, to hurt you or to, to make you think that you're less than or Anything like that. It's to show you that Christ loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you and shed his blood for you and for me. I hope you understand that a little better, given what I've shared with you today. Forever I am free. I, I don't know where I, where you would, where I would be without this blood. I don't know where you are today, guys. I don't, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if you just popped pills this morning or, or if you just tried to kill yourself this morning or if you just tried to end it all. I, if, if you have no more hope for tomorrow or if you have hope for, for tomorrow but you have no hope for this Jesus, can I tell you there's hope in this man? Give him a shot. Give him a try. I don't know where you stand, but can I can I just give you one 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 thing to try, please? Will you invite him in to dine with you? Or will you continue to slam the door in his face? He may be knocking right now, but you have to open the door. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll never open the door. He'll he'll open doors in your life, but he'll never open the door for, for him to come in your heart. That's your choice. Jesus can tell you to give someone $100, but he doesn't come down from heaven in his physical form and take the... Take the wallet out of your pocket and open up open up your wallet and take $100 out and walk you over to the person. Put the $100 bill in your hand and hand it to someone with your hand. He gives you a little tug in your heart. And I've been talking a lot to unbelievers, but I want to talk to my believers now. Just for a small second. Stop ignoring the tug. Too, too many believers do this. 
They'll muzzle the Holy Spirit in their life. Instead of letting God ruling and reigning in their life fully, Jesus could be saying, that person, this is deep, guys, I need you to know. This, this is so, so deep. Well, let me, let me tell you. Let's just do it. I, I, I don't know where, where you stand in your walk with Christ, but there may be some believers today when the Holy Spirit tells you. He might not tell you in this much detail, but he might say, that person's depressed. You, do, you see, do you see how defeated they look? Just minister the gospel. Just tell, just tell them, Jesus loves you. I love you. But instead, of, but instead of hearing the word of Christ that may be so specific to say, they're going to end it all tonight if you don't say something. They don't hear, say something, they hear. I'm using a cloth. They mute the Holy Spirit. So when we hear, Say something, they'll do this. I know that sounded silly, but sometimes you guys sound silly when you're rejecting what Christ is telling you to do. Because it could be somebody's life in jeopardy because you won't listen to Jesus. I mean, I'm not here to be cute anymore. I can't I can't be cute anymore with my messages. I'm here to preach you into a change. Too many people don't hear about the blood anymore. They hear 10 steps to a blessed life. 5 steps on how to how to work being a single mother because you didn't wait until marriage. God still loves everyone in their sin and you can you can recover from stuff like like that, but Jesus Jesus didn't come for you to improvise your sin and how to work sin out and still have Jesus. It's either Jesus or nothing at all. I'm too, too tired of people drawing a line in the sand and say, "Devil, you can stay over there, but on Sundays I got to be on this side and be holy." But on the other days, they're not holy. They're horrible. Yeah, they're, they're not the same person they were when you saw them lifting their hands. They're, they're not just lifting their hands. They're praising. They're, 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 they're showing you a finger down the highway because they believe anger is the fruit of the Spirit. But this, this is... They're, they're, they're not trying to, trying, to, trying to have you grow. It's just you... It's just you planning your next hookup next week or when you can drink with your friends again or when you can be intoxicated when the Lord tells you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's gambling when He tells you to be wise. It's lying and it's doing these horrible sins that have become normalized by man but are still horrible in the eyes of God who that are dirty. That are dirty. Can I, can I tell you something? 
a pastor gave me this beautiful illustration. He was supposed to be on this podcast, but, but he's but he's going through it. We're praying for him, and his family is doing an amazing next step. But he said his daughter was trying to give him a kiss, but she was all dirty, covered in dirt. And his daughter leaned in for a kiss. Without hesitation, he leaned in for the kiss. So he could, his daughter could give him a little kiss on the cheek, no matter what dirt. That's, that's like us with Jesus. Can I tell you, you can still be dirty in your hands, covered in filth today. But you can still crucify your flesh. I, I know that's not a good way to walk into it, but that's the gospel. If you want Jesus, you want, you want to crucify your flesh. You want new life? You have to die first. We hear all these amazing conferences. The Come Alive Conference and the Alive Conference and the Together Conference or uh, what's the new Joyce uh, Myers one? Empower Conference. We don't hear a Come and Die Conference. But that, that's what, this, what, the, what the, the, the gospel says. It says one time when a man, when a man was a... Uh, um, being chosen to be a disciple, uh, I don't believe he was chosen. I might be wrong, but um, he he was at a funeral and, the, and God said, and he had already buried his uncle, but they were going to come back and put the spices on him and preserve his body. God said, "Let let the dead bury themselves. Come and follow me. Give up all you have and worship me. And if you turn back." If you turn back from the plow, if you're working in my field, if you're doing the ministry and you turn around, you're not built for this. New life requires present death. Life is in the blood and and what you're struggling with today as I've said multiple times, you, you may be struggling with suicidal thoughts or the, the, my, my, my thing to say to you is if you're suicidal, the blood gives life. There's life in the blood in the face of death. If, if, if it's drugs and you had a handful of pills this morning and you were going to end it all, there, there was a nail scarred hand for you. It, it's heavy in here. I feel him. For, for, for in this moment, God made you to repent from your ways and turn away from sin. Not to do a 360 and turn right back to sin. But to do a 180 and completely change your life in your direction. And run towards him. But too often does cultural... Does culture say that his death, burial, and resurrection was for us to live sinful instead of sinless. To get a free get to heaven past. Scripture says, Ooh, this, this is good. This is heavy. It says in Scripture, to clear a way for Yahweh for the return of His coming. According to John 1, 23, you can go there in Scripture. It's a really good Scripture. Where John says, I am a shouting Voice in the wilderness. I'm a shouting voice in the wilderness. 
to clear away my shoutings clearing away. Can I get an amen for the Lord's coming? Meaning you may be in the wilderness today with no path in the workplace. If you, if you go if you go in the wilderness that hasn't been explored yet, there there may be no no um what are they called? Um um a walking path, I guess. Simple. A walking path for you to go on your trail. You may need to tread your own trail. You may need to be the groundbreaker that brings revival into your school. There may be no way for this to happen, but my God makes a way for there to be. My God makes a way out of no way. There may be no way for me to be for me Jameer Waters to bring revival in my school, but my God makes a way when there is no possible way. Just in the same way, when there's no possible way, I thought I could be saved. There is a life in me now, just as there could be life in your schools and your work systems, but you have to shout. A whisper can't do it anymore. When, when John says that, you know what, I think there's too many noises in the wilderness. There's too many noises in the wilderness to, to focus in on your whisper. If you go, if you go in the wilderness, I made this rhyme. I'm, I'm so sorry, but it's, if you go, there's too many noises in the wilderness. If you go out in nature, there's bees and beetles, birds and snakes, and foxes and eagles and bears and all these different sounds that will drown out your whisper. The pride marches will drown out your I love Jesus hashtag. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a, that's a start, but you need to push off deeper. It, it will drown out the pub. The public schools will drown, will drown out your petition to have revival in your school from Nick Walker. But I've looked into it legally if I if I if I'm able to do this correctly, unless I'm willing to press charges because they don't want it to happen. But I'm 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 praying and hoping that we have amazing principals and um, faculty that will facilitate this revival that is coming to Fairland High. Crazy faith. All the they, they will shut you up. The public schools will shut you up when you when you sign the petition or you or you, or you hand out um, what would Jesus do bracelets I guess and the friends you love will, will try to get you to shut, shut up and the family and the list of people will will the will, will grow that try to silence you society needs you to show them a lion that roars they need you to you, you need to show them a lion that roars and reigns in your life. Not a kitten that sits and purrs and meows at you. Because my God may have came as a lamb, but he is coming back as a lion. So when you, when you go in your schools this year, I, I don't want... The, I don't want this to be another message and you say this really changed my life but you you go back to the same habits next week a stain I want this stain for you to not want it to be removed 
intimacy, a relationship with Christ. When I when I had a um, when I had a Bible study with my sister, I said, "What?" She, she was wondering what prayer is, and I said, "Prayer is is making a connection to with you and Christ. It, it it's a it's a direct line to God. Prayer is a direct line to God." And my sister likes social media a lot, so I said, "Kind of like how." You have to connect to Wi-Fi to be able to send messages. Prayer is that intercession in a way. You need to form a link with something. Some people are trying to do things without Jesus because they haven't had intimacy with him. That, that, that's, that's like having trying to um, imitate intimacy to have a child but not being intimate. You have to have true intimacy to have true results. I'm tired of people saying they were in their prayer closet for 30 seconds and they only get 30 seconds of revival in their school. Just because you got a conversation that lasted two minutes, that was because you only spent two minutes with Jesus. What if there's Catherine Kuhn, a great woman of God, and I, I encourage you to read her books and listen to her services. She would come in sometimes 16 hours before service and start praying. That's that. That would be if, if service was at uh, if service was at um, six o'clock. She would come in almost a whole day before the service. If it was a morning service, she'd come the day before and pray all through the night. Maybe it's gonna take you having to go down your hallway and anoint and anoint your 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 fellow students' lockers with anointing oil. Maybe it's gonna take that, but can I tell you, we cannot afford for you not to anymore. Because nobody's gonna do it if you don't do it. You don't know the influence you have. But to have influence in the kingdom, the first thing I'm telling you, you need to do, and this is going to challenge you, you need to surrender. And you're not surrendering to a homie or a best friend. I, I don't worship. I don't worship my best friend. I don't when he walks in the room, I don't bow down to my knees and say, holy, holy is the Lord God T. Avion Kennedy. I say, What's up, bro? And I dab him up and, and we come in and we play the game and we have communion with each other. We talk and we sit there and we conversate with each other. But I don't sit there and tell him for hours and hours, oh, Lord, what have you done? Oh, Lord, thank you. Your blood has done so much for me. Oh, I don't sit there. If Jesus was, a, was still in the physical form and his body was down here on earth, I would not sit there and dap him up, I would wash his feet with my tears. Sometimes you need to bow down. Bow down to Jesus because it's not going to take you giving Jesus a high five anymore. Sometimes you need to bow down or get low. Yeah, get low instead instead of rising up, rising up to, for your challenges and rising up 
for for revival in your school and rising up for 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 doing the 35 day Bible challenge. What you got to start somewhere. What if it's starting with you putting on a worship song and getting down on your knees and telling God how thankful you are for him? Can I tell you one of the reasons I'm so thankful for him and this is just from our intimate relationship together. I love him because he made every star in the universe, quantillions and quantillions, quadrillions and quadrillions and all that stuff, millions and millions. He created the universe like a painting. It was like a, it was, have you seen the new, um, the new images from the new telescope at NASA? It was like it was painted with a paintbrush. He created that. There's quantillions and quantillions. This world is so, this universe is so huge. And I'm so small. But he loves me. He doesn't just, he knows how many hairs are on the top of my head. He knows me inside and out. Surrender to him. You can't, you can't offer up a sacrifice to something you haven't yet crucified. Pastor Chuck said it beautifully in one of his sermons. We are celebrating what we should be crucifying. Whew, that makes me almost want to throw this microphone. We are celebrating what we should be crucifying. We're, we're, we're celebrating lying and gossiping and do you know that's one of the many things scripture scripture doesn't uh, scripture does say it. I don't know where it is but it's in there I promise it says when when they were talking about gossip the disciples were God says I hate that and we're justifying we're loving what God hates to get to where we're going to get to in life to have God rule and reign in our life, first you need to surrender to the holy fire. And can I tell you something? Fire isn't pleasant. But gold has to be burnt and its impurities removed before it looks like gold. Everyone wants gold, but no one wants to be burned. Do you know what a goldsmith does to purify gold? He burns it down in the fire and melts it down and all the impurities rise up to the surface. Have you ever been in a thick and worship environment and all your insecurities and all your strongholds and all your depression? When you're under the fire and somebody's praying with you, you start telling them what you're going through and it rises to the top and God scrapes it off. Just like as a, as a blacksmith does with his instrument. And to get to where we're going to, where I want to get to with this message, we have to burn. And I'm not talking about a little tiny match. I'm talking about I lit the match. Let's start a fire. And let's not start a little fire of faith. Let's start a forest, a spiritual forest fire that sets us all on fire for the gospel and sends us out on commission and on assignment and on missions and 
on mission fields and selling our clothes. That way we can go to other countries to show people this Christ that we so love. And maybe it's just going to take that. Do you know when gold is reflectable in our clothes here? Gold is reflectable when the impurities are removed off of the top in the fire. Do you know when you're a follower of Jesus, when you can look down at yourself and see God? I, I said all that to say that. And normally I just, I, I'll tell you right now in my, my notes what it says right here. It says, it says, uh, and then you will know you are a follower of Christ when you look down at your at yourself and you will see yourself seeing him more and more daily, daily and daily seeing, seeking him, becoming more and more stained by his blood while living in the overflow. That's my classic end scenario, but it's season two. I got to be better than that. Take this word with you. Now, I don't care where you are, if you're listening on the treadmill or if you're the, if there's a 500 people around you and you're, and you're at school or and you're at, at lunch and you have your free time or, or you're at work and wherever you are, or, uh, or unless, unless you're driving, please do not close your eyes while you're driving, please do not. But I want you to close your eyes if, you, if you're able right now. And I want you to think of what you've done in your life. All the supposed good things and all the supposed bad things. Christ, Christ says there's none good but God. And judging on the things that Christ says is a sin that you should be crucifying but you're glorifying. I'm going to ask you a really intense question. Based on what I've told you, looking on your life, truly, authentically, this is your eternity we're talking about. If you were to die right now, tonight when you lay your head down, on your pillow, you never woke up. And you sat in judgment in front of God and you said, God, but I did this. Doesn't scripture say we, we prophesied in your name and we sold all of our possessions to the poor without love, God. And we did all of this in your mighty name, in the name of Yahshua HaMashiach. I know all of your names. I know Yahira and Yahweh and Yahweh Shamashik and 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 I know I know how to speak in tongues. Yabababashinde coke spelled backwards. I know all this stuff and I preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We did all this in your name. Without love. Without love. But can I tell you this? If you think you're good, can I then answer this question truly based on what I've told you today? If you were to die right in this moment, do you believe you would go to heaven or hell? Heaven or hell? It's a simple question. Paradise or eternal pain forever? 
I know you want to go to heaven. It, nobody desires to burn forever in pain and constant without God. But where do you stand? Where, where do you stand? Where, where do you believe God would point you? What, what do you say? Depart from me. I never knew you. Or what do you say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Where, what, what, what would he say? What would he say to you guys? I, I really want you to think about this for a moment. I'm not trying to rush this right now. What would he say to you? Can I, can I tell you, even if, even if you're saying for sure, I'm going into heaven. Good for you, and I hope you're a believer, but if you're troubled by this question on where do I go after I die, there's two places, and this is the truest thing I can ever tell you. Repent. Oh, I beg of you, repent. And I'm, and, and most people t- take the definition of repent as, as you, lay, you lay down on your face and cry for 30 minutes after a beautiful worship and a cool sermon and you go home and you get baptized next week, take pictures and live in sin for the rest of your life. Maybe that's how you view it. And you say this pretty prayer. I would love, I would, I would be an amazing conversation if somebody came up to me and showed me the exact place where the where the salvation prayer is. Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer with you guys if you really want to repent. But repent doesn't mean to say a pretty prayer and never change anything. Repent doesn't even mean prayer. It means to turn. All you're doing when you hear this message and you want to change You're looking directly at sin and you're turning away from it and running to Jesus. That's that's all it is. That's all the message is. That's as simple as it is. So I'm going to say this prayer for you and repeat it after me. This does not secure your eternity. What you do afterwards secures your eternity. If you really change Or if you just said a pretty prayer. Dear Lord, these people have heard your word. Have heard the power in your blood. And want to come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, let my words forever be forgotten, but your word that you spoke today to them forever be ingrained in their hearts and let them now surrender to you. Repeat this after me, everyone. God, I know that I've sinned. I know I've fallen short of your glory. I know I've manipulated, lied, cheated, stole, lusted, and many more. But from this point forward, 
I repent. I turn away from sin. And I'm running after you. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit and holy fire. Burn within me. Redeem me. Show me your grace. Crucify my flesh. Redeem me. Restore me. And revive me. Amen. 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 I hope you guys enjoyed this message very much. I just want to say one thing to you guys. When you do this, no people will leave you. No people will change, and because you've changed, they don't want you to change anymore, and they want you to go back to your normalcy. But you need to change for the better, because I want to see you in heaven, and God wants to see you there. Hell was made for demons, not for demon-filled people. Be set free, transformed, while living in the overflow. See you guys later.